0: Good morning church good morning. it's good to see you guys happy palm sunday this is where we remember jesus's triumphant entry into jerusalem you could take your metaphorical palm branches and wave them in the air like you just do care all right there we go we didn't even have to kill any trees this is good my name is john i'm one of the pastors here it's great to have you here at greenhouse we're in the midst of a series called who we are everybody say who we are we're talking about our core heart, our fluencies, these core documents that really lay out who it is that we are and who it is that we're longing to be. Last week, Joao, who's the digital content director, the social media guy and online, church online guy for Gainesville, talked on servant leadership. How many of you enjoy that on servant leadership? When it comes to being a servant leader following Jesus. We got to know who we are, whose we are, and what we have access to. If you are a leader or wanting to grow as a leader, highly encourage you to check it out if you missed it on our podcast or YouTube channel. Search Greenhouse South Florida. You can find it there. This week, I want to talk about maybe one of the biggest disconnects in Christendom between what we believe and what we do. In fact, it's probably one of the majority, if not the main reason, you still exist on this planet today. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is literally one of the core reasons you are still here this morning. I want to talk about evangelism. Everybody say, ooh. If you stand on your feet with me, we're going to read in Matthew 18. 2 Peter 3, if you're watching online in Guyana, welcome to everybody joining us. We'll sort of hinge our conversation in these two passages, and then we'll bounce all over the place. Lots of Bibles, so if you're a note taker or a Bible teacher, I think you're gonna enjoy this morning, as well as if you are just a human being. Are you ready? Here we go. Jesus is speaking. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? Now, in our non-agrarian uh, society, we're not a bunch of shepherds and herders. We we're, were like, this is sort of a weird story. I don't know, maybe, but in that world, this was symbolic of your life and livelihood. If anyone has two cars as a family and one of them goes missing, would you not search desperately and passionately for your missing vehicle? Amen? Amen. Y'all tracking with me now? Like, of course, would have been the reverberating response. Now, when he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Now, Jesus is giving us a window into the heart of the Father. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. It's not just Jesus in Matthew 18. Peter echoes the same refrain in relation to the heart of God. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is what? Patient with you. Aren't you glad? Thank you, Lord. Why is he patient? Well, he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? Repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. And it'll come like a thief. The heavens will dif- disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be set apart, different, holy, in godly lives. Amen to that. Join me as we pray. Jesus, we love you. Out of the mouth of infants and babes, you've ordained praise. Lord, we look to you in faith. Remind us who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him, get ready. You can find your seats. Very much looking forward to our time together. Is that Jonathan, the man? What's up, guys? It's good to see you guys, man. missed you. I wonder if anybody knows who this is here on the screen. Anybody, any ideas here? Who this might be? Somebody's like an old person. Yes, he he is. That is an ancient photograph. This is Dr. Alexander Fleming. Anybody know who he is? He is uh, attributed to be the founder, the finder, I guess, the discoverer of penicillin. Dr. Alexander Fleming quite literally has contributed to the savings of millions upon millions of lives. Dr. Alexander Fleming was from Scotland. He was in the U.K., Uh, fascinating history here, but he basically stumbled on this discovery. He went on vacation, and and when he was gone, this is how you know vacations are godly, right? He went on vacation, and while he was gone, he left a little uh, petri dish of some bacteria, and he came back and sort of stumbled on penicillin. He realized this mold-based sort of substance was fighting off the bacteria, teria and sort of as the story goes, they discovered it. But what I found was fascinating. You see, when Dr. Alexander Fleming came to this conclusion, he brought this life-changing reality to the masses and he was absolutely ignored. In fact, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. People said, what are you going to do? Use, use this mole? Like, how, how are you going to do this? In fact, Dr. Alexander Fleming and his team persevered for 20 years After discovery, 20 years of being ignored, 20 years of being ridiculed, 20 years of being mocked, 20 years of being dismissed, but they persisted. And thank God, right? Can you imagine how many people, how many lives have been saved as they pioneered this antibiotic? Got me thinking, can you imagine if he didn't discover the cure where we would be? People were dying all the time. You you get an ingrown toenail, death. Can you imagine where we'd be if he didn't discover the cure? Or worse, can you imagine if he discovered the cure, but he refused to share it? Or maybe even a little bit more pertinent to our current moment, can you imagine if he began to share it because of ridicule and rejection and feeling dismissed, he stopped sharing it and never shared again? If you're tracking with me, I want to use this as an operating analogy in the natural for what is very true in the spiritual. Christians, let's talk for a second. If you believe the Bible, if you follow Jesus, there is a disease that is impacting all of humanity. And while we cannot necessarily see it with our naked eye, we can see the effects and ramifications of that disease. That disease is an indiscriminate attacker. It goes after every single person, man, woman, boy, girl, culture, irregardless of your background and upbringing. That disease is what the Bible calls what? Sin. Pastor Malik alluded to it. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's righteous standard. And the wages for that pain and that payment for sin is what? It's it's death. It's eternal separation from God. But it's not just separation for eternity. It's also a separation in the here and now. It's all of the fragmentation in families and the brokenness and the people that we love and care about. It's coworkers and neighbors and friends and relatives. There is a disease called sin, and it's killing us from the inside. And there's a cure. There is a cure for this disease that's impacted everyone. There is a remedy, but the problem is that the people who know the cure aren't sharing it. Why don't we evangelize more? You, me, us. Why don't we evangelize more? That word evangel is good news. Why don't we share this good news about the cure that exists, the hope of humanity? Why don't we share that more? It's not a guilt trip, but it's a good question. It's not a lack of commissioning or a lack of being sent. Jesus sent us out. If you follow Jesus, and I understand we're in mixed spiritual company online in the room, and if you're not a Jesus follower, man, we're thrilled that you're here investigating God, faith, and spirituality. If you don't believe this, I get it. You're like, well, I don't share because I don't believe it. I get that. But if you do, And you believe there's a disease called sin that's destroying everyone on earth and then destroying them for eternity. And we know there's a cure. His name is Jesus, the Messiah. He came. Why don't we share it more? We've been commissioned to. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Preach the gospel. We've been commissioned. And yet the statistics are bleak. The average follower of Jesus or Christian in our modern context never gets to lead a single person to the Lord in their lifetime. We struggle with this so deeply. In fact, it gets worse as we look forward in the generational landscape. We see that things are shifting from just not doing to an active reason for not doing. If you look at Barner's research on millennials and Gen Z, what we're beginning to see is that evangelism or sharing the good news, the cure, the hope of the gospel is actually beginning to be seen as almost immoral. How dare you I'm not sure about you, but I think it's worth considering intellectually if I was the devil and my mission, which is a weird thing to say as the pastor, but if I was the devil and my mission was to steal, kill, and destroy, and I realized that someone had already been cured from the disease called sin and killing them was no longer an option, thank you Jesus for all eternity, the next best thing would be to ensure that they never share the cure with anybody else. Are you tracking with me here? This is not by accident, and this is not a haphazard reality. There is an enemy of our souls who is working a very effective anti-evangelism campaign in our modern world. So what do we do? As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, it, we want his ways and his heart. We exist here at Greenhouse to help ordinary people like you and I become passionate followers of Jesus, which means we want his heart and we wanna follow in his ways. And Jesus said to go, right? We say it all the time. It's why we exist here, to go and make disciples. He said, you're gonna baptize them? Who do you do that with? People that at one point were not following Jesus? that have decided to follow Jesus. He said, you're gonna go and make disciples. You're gonna baptize them and then you're gonna teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And my prayer is that we would say yes to his call and his heart this morning. Amen? All three of y'all, perfect. We're off to a great start. Here's a big idea, jot this down and I pray that God would encounter us and meet us in this place and give us his heart. Here's my core thought and we'll unpack it together. God's people must have God's heart and God's heart breaks over lostness. God's people, how many of you sit in that camp, qualify in that camp? You are a follower of Jesus. You are a son or daughter of God. God's people, right, must have God's heart and God's heart breaks over lostness. Does yours? It's not a guilt trip question. It's a good question. If I'm being honest, I'll go, I'll go ahead and go first. Sometimes, sometimes, but I want it to more and more. Three stopping points to get us on the path towards having hearts full of care and compassion like our Father in heaven. My hope and ambition is to make this hyper-practical so that we can see it clearly and run with it here in this final sprint before Easter weekend where people are more likely than ever to engage in spiritual conversation, especially to accept an invitation to church. Point number one is this, live it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to live it. I'm pretty sure this is one of the points in one of my other sermons, so at least I'm consistent, if nothing else. But point number one is you got to live it. Um, th- this, is a, this is family, right? This is a safe space here. It's a place to where you can belong, right? Hopefully. We'll find out. Uh, I committed a crime this week. Yeah. I don't know why you're clapping. I really you. I don't know why you're clapping. Uh, I made it right by the end. Okay, hear me out. Um, But I, I got a chance to go to breakfast with a pastor buddy of mine that I had not seen in a long time. And, uh, and it was just a great time together, and, and we're having conversation, and and it was just, it felt so good to catch up. You ever had one of those meetings where you just get so into it that you're like, and so the waitress, we were talking to the waitress and having spiritual conversation. I mean, it was just awesome with the waitress, with each other. God's moving. It's amazing. We get done. We, we get up. I have the check in my hand. We walk up, and right as we're starting to walk to the cash register, he like says something that triggered a thought, and I get into this conversation, and we walk out, and he's like, oh, man, I gotta I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go. And I get in my car and I'm driving and I'm like all the way home. And I realized I did not pay for the breakfast with my pastor, and I just see the headlines. Two local pastors, dining Dash at Lester's Diner. Like, great, this is just what we need before Easter, right? Like, Jesus paid it all. Peace out. We don't pay nothing. You know, like, oh, man, this is what they need. Like, oh, goodness. And I texted him. I was like, hey, bro, I kind of forgot to pay for breakfast. And I I was like, man, let me get it. You know, and I was like, I forgot to pay for breakfast. I'm going to go back. The last thing we need is to be in the news. But just in case, just a heads up. And it was great. And I went back, by the way, and I walked in and I was like, hey, she's like, I was like, I totally forgot to pay. She's like, it's fine. It happens." I was like, I feel so bad. She's like, the waitress came over. She's like, thank you for coming back. I was like, you know, I just, of course, I'm a pastor. <laughs> True story. True story. But I remember thinking, I'm like, man, this this is exactly what our world needs right now. Like another hypocrite Christian pastor, just like, oh yeah, putting the gospel on blast and a black eye to the gospel. And thank God it was all made right. And I feel very somewhat judged by you guys right now, but that's okay. (laughs) Like you never did that. Acts 1-8, this is very interesting. Jesus talking to the disciples. I think I've got it here on the screen. Thanks so much, guys. Can we give it up for the tech team? You guys are, they're amazing back there, making it happen, (laughs) on point. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will what? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you're gonna receive power by the way, if, you're, if you struggle with evangelism, you're like, I really wanna talk to people about God. It's real in my life. I love him. He's changed my life. I care about my friends, but I just wimp out so much. Anybody like, yes, that's me. Okay, would you be so bold? You gotta get filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. You're gonna get the, filled with the power of God. The Holy Spirit's gonna come on you, baptized in the Spirit. There's all sorts of different nomenclature he uses there. He says, and then you're going to be my, here's what I need you to understand. Evangelism and witnessing is not primarily something you do, it's who you are. If you mit- This was not originally a part of my sermon and I actually backed up and made another point because I was just like, you gotta go share the gospel, amen, you gotta go talk to people, amen, you gotta pray about it, I'm like, wait a second. You gotta live this thing first. Like I, all the time, to- Jesus said you're gonna be my witnesses. It's a be, not just a do, you are the witness. Humans hate hypocrisy. So many Christians are out there. It's like, man, you don't you don't smoke what you sell. That's that's a bad analogy, right? <laughs> Some of y'all got a pass, man. Don't look at me like that. OK, here we go. Let me make it. Let me make it Christianized. You do. You do not practice what you preach. That one better. Yeah, I can like you don't know what I'm talking about. All right. The, the problem here is this proclivity in humanity to share a great thing that you don't live and that you don't repent about when you don't live it. By the way, my overwhelming experience, I went in there, I was, I I felt, I walked in to Lester's Diner, God bless him, and I was like, you guys are amazing, you've been here so long, you're such a great local business, I feel so bad, I totally dined in Dash, and I did not mean to. And she just laughed, she's like, oh, you're so sweet, it happens, don't worry about it, I gave him a good tip too, but I was like, you feel that, like, I've got to, I don't have to get it right. Like, in your life, you will proverbially dine and dash. You will blow it and mess it up, whether you mean to or you don't mean to. Here's what people are waiting for. Are you going to own it and repent? The world is not waiting for perfect people called Christians who float on the clouds and do not relate to any formist of the road rages that hit South Florida streets. What they're waiting for is Christians who own it, and they go up to a co-worker after and like, hey, bro, I... I totally lost my cool and I'm so sorry. God's working on my temper and I'm still a work in progress, man. Please forgive me. That's what they're waiting for. The first step is we have to live it. We're not looking, I'm not not talking about perfection. What I am talking about is prolific repenters where when we blow it, we get it wrong in the right ways. It's sort of heartbreaking because there's, there's, a ton of us, too many people based on the demographic research who do not share their faith. And then if I'm being truly honest, there are some people who share their faith and I wish they didn't. I have to go around behind and be like, hey, ah, that... I'm so sorry for that person who always says, God bless you, and then also cusses you out in the same phrase, like, oh, what a bad look for the team. Like, and sometimes we're being honest, we are that person. Like, it's like, David, I am that man. Lord, help me, right? Like, we gotta live it. We gotta live it. God, give us grace. We gotta be genuine. The, the word of Jesus, the gospel, has to be genuine and alive in our real life if we want people to listen to our nice words, Amen. Not perfect, but repenting. The watching world needs to see fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Ah, self control. By the way, this isn't manufacturing these fruits. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure you've never seen a constipated fruit tree. Like, fruit trees don't like apples. Like, this is not what they do. Like, fruit trees just produce fruit. This is, <laughs> Lord, help me. After the committing a crime thing, I'm like, it's only going to go downhill or uphill from here. And there's nowhere else for it to go. They don't work at producing fruit. They just do it. Why? Because it comes out of their being. If you don't produce fruit, you need to examine the roots. If you are not producing abiding love and compassion for others, you need to look at your roots. Point number one is live it, which leads us to point number two. Once it's happening, we have to pray it. The only way they can taste and see that the Lord is good is if he's actually your Lord in your actual real life. And when you struggle with that, come on, somebody. The way that you lean into the grace of God is you do not just try to muster up the fruit in yourself like a constipated fruit tree. I'm not going to let that go now. You don't just, ah, you You lean into God's grace in his heart. You, point number two, you pray it. This is where I believe the real battle happens. This is where the heart is. This is where true compassion is birthed. Listen, you are not ready to talk to people about God until you have talked to God about people. Because your heart's not gonna be in it. And whether you mean to or not, you're gonna come across like a slimy spiritual salesman or woman. We have to lean into the heart of God in prayer. This is part of the reason we've been bathing this Easter weekend in prayer. By the way, on your way out, you can grab one of these prayer cards if you don't have it already, specific prayer points. I would love for our entire faith community to be praying every single day this week. You could grab it at the welcome tent. We are bathing this weekend in prayer because we realize the stuff we're longing to see and God to encounter, our friends and our neighbors and our family members and our coworkers, it cannot happen by our efforts alone. It's gotta be God. And God responds to the prayers of his people. And so we're bathing this weekend in prayer for God to move. But the other reason we're bathing this weekend in prayer is because our hearts need to be changed. Part of the story is God move on them. The other part of the very necessary story is God change me. And they both happen in prayer. Evangelism is sharing good news. It's not some cold, terrible duty. And if it feels that way, we need to pray. That rhymed like that. What do we pray for? We pray for laborers. Matthew 9, Jesus went all through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and every sickness. This is huge. Listen to our rabbi Jesus and how he interacted with people and dealt with this idea of evangelism and sharing the good news. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. This is it. This is it. When he saw the crowds, he had Compassion. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, Listen, guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You know who he was praying for? Us. Ustedes. All of us right here. What's the connection point? Jesus said, Pray. What what do the what's these what do these laborers have working for them exactly what Jesus did hearts full of compassion I don't know about you but my compassion drifts I have like compassion ADD sometimes I'm there I feel it I'm I'm, I'm interacting with people. I'm like, oh, Lord, man, like sheep without a shepherd. People are so anxious and depressed and hopeless and struggling. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm there. And then life gets busy and life gets crazy. And my kids have, you know, Lucia goes poop in the pool. And I'm like, oh, no, TMI, TMI. And life gets so crazy. And I'm like, Lord. And And I get so consumed with my real legitimate challenging life that I forget that people are dying emotionally, spiritually, for eternity. Jesus didn't forget. You pray for laborers. Number two, you pray for leaders. In in, uh, Colossians, where is this? 2-4. I don't have it written down. Thank you. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Paul is writing. That God may open a door for our message so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I would love your prayers this week. I think we put it on the card. I'm like, "I, I am... Prepping and praying my little guts out that God would give me his words and his heart for Easter Sunday for our friends, neighbors, and coworkers. If you want to pray for me, I would love it. Pray for our staff team. Pray for our microchurch leaders, gonna be part of the connection team. Pray for us, Paul said I'll gladly take your prayers all week long this week and whenever you want to give them. Pray for the lost. 1 Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those rulers and authority, that we may be lead peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants who? All people. Who does he want? All people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Microchurch leaders, I got something for you here. If you're taking notes, I'd use this this week in your microchurch. Here's a specific idea how we can lean in to pray for the lost. We have them here on this Easter prayer card, and we've got them other places. These are our VIP cards. These are where we write the names of specific people in our real lives. You can scan it and get a digital one right now that you're committed to pray for every single day, not because you think you are any better, but because you know specifically you're not. And if God could do a work in your life, he could do a work in anybody's life. Can I get an amen? amen? Make a list. Keep praying. Even this week, you're getting ready to invite that coworker. You're getting ready to invite that neighbor. Don't just invite them. Pray over that invitation. And then step out in the power of the Spirit. Don't just pray for the lost. Pray with the lost. I, I, I adopted a habit that that I picked up from my dad, and it used, to, it used to make me so awkwardly uncomfortable until I started following Jesus and realized it was beautiful. My dad would always be asking waiters and waitresses, can I pray for you? And, and when I started following Jesus, I realized, I'm like, man, such a simple. it's honest, right? You're not making stuff up. Like My dad would just say, hey, we're gonna thank God for the food, which is true. While we're talking to him, is there anything we could ask him about for you? Life, family, work, whatever. And um, so I've been doing this for, long time, 15 years maybe. And in past seasons, it would be 50-50. 50% 50 of the time, it would be positively received, everything from like, oh, wow, thanks, or oh, that's really nice, or I appreciate it, I'm good, to like straight up just waiters and waitresses just crying at the table because it was a total Holy Spirit moment and God was working and I just stumbled into the last thing of it. And 50%, like, awkwardly rejecting, like mocking me, kind of like, oh, no, that's good, man, thanks. Like, and you kind of, you feel so small, but you're like, persecution. You know, our brothers and sisters around the world get arms chopped off and we're like, I've been persecuted because a waiter scoffed at me and they still have to serve me all, meal long, and I'm gonna tip them well. Like, it's crazy. Anyways, is that just me? Anybody else? Like, man, Lord, make us strong. So anyways, in this, I will tell you, in this pandemic season, I don't think I've had a single person not receive that invitation for prayer warmly. Not a single one diametric shift in culture. I, I, I was at breakfast the other day, and, and uh, I, try to, I try to be a regular at places. That way you can try to build relationship and just see if God opens up a door. It's a real simple way to be missional in your everyday life and care for people in, in deep ways rather than just kind of one-off ways. And so when I was there, I had done, you know, done the thing, and I asked the guy, hey, is there anything I could pray for you about? And, um, and he kind of looked at me, and he's like, actually, and this is my... All, I'm telling you all the time now. This is my response. I think the pandemic just beat us up so bad, and hum. You got this little bug brought ev- the world to its knees. Everybody's been humbled. I think people just realize, like, man, I don't know if God's real, but I need him. And so he's like, man, I'd love to. He said, you know, my family's from Indonesia, and uh, which I know is a, a country in a context where the gospel is, is almost non-existent. It's largely an unreached country. He said, my my family's in Indonesia. That's where I'm from, and my aunt is really sick. If you could pray for her, that would mean a lot. And I said, I'd love to. And so I, I showed back up last week and I paid for the check this time, y'all, okay? It's not like a thing I do. But I showed up this week and I walked in and, and I'm decent with memory, but I'm not like, and I was not thinking about this guy. I, I did not remember. And I walked in and the guy walked in front of me and immediately like, poof, I said, hey man, how's your aunt doing? And in the back of my head, I'm like, how did I know that? The Holy Spirit. And he looked at me and he said, He said, actually, now that you mention it, she's doing great. She did like a huge 180. She's doing awesome. She's so healthy. He's like, thank you for praying. I'm like, that's what I do. (laughs) Professional prayer, actually. But it it meant so much. And it was, I'm telling you, if you struggle with evangelism, just, just offer people to prayer. I know to you, it seems so trivial. Maybe you're like, oh my goodness. No one's, like, I'm telling you, uber drivers all the time I'm like hey listen i'm about to i'm stuck i'm stuck with you in the car is there anything i can pray for you about used to be 50 50 almost 100 percent of the time they're like oh my goodness oh, thank you so much i'm like oh you know just just offer the gift of prayer my experience is people are very 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 open right now if you don't know what to say just pray that also rhymes if you don't know what to say, just pray. Just, oh, hey, I'd love to pray for you. People feel that God is very distant. We know he's not, but they feel he is. So the fact that there's someone who feels like they can actually talk to God, it feels like this gift you're giving someone, which by the way, it is. Treat it the same way. Hey, you've been so amazing today serving our tech. Hey, you've been so incredible today helping me out. the growth. Hey, you've been so great. Is there anything I could pray for you about? And give God a shot and watch what he does. Point number one, live it. Point number two, pray it. Point number three is share it. Everybody say share. Share. Here's an excerpt from our evangelism fluency. I want you to hear our heart here. We absolutely expect harvest. In the book of Acts, the Lord added to their numbers regularly those who were being saved, rescued. We must make disciples who understand that soul winning is the normal Christian lifestyle. We do not believe that the joy of harvest is reserved for the small minority of Christians with a talent in persuasion. While everybody is not an evangelist, you remember that APES sermon from a few weeks ago, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers? While everybody is not an E, evangelist, every Christian is called to be evangelistic. In God's sovereignty, every believer has a network of relationships and neighbors that nobody else will ever touch. We believe that every disciple has certain evangelism styles that should be discovered and practiced, but we must teach people that we never get good at things we do not practice. That'll preach. Here's what I'd love us doing this week. I I want us to invest and invite. We spent a good amount of money printing out these invite cards so they would not look nice on the floor of your house, home, or automobile, but so that you could put them in the hands of a person that God loves so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for them so that they might be open and come check out at the little service at a high school auditorium where they meet God and their life is changed forever. Amen? Invest in relationships. Invest in the relationship of your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your family members, because you care about them, but then give God a shot and step out to invite. John chapter one, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked and said, you're Simon, you'll be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is Andrew's response. He encounters Jesus, the Messiah. He doesn't quite know a lot, but here's what he does know: this guy's amazing. I gotta go tell my brother. We see the same thing happen with Philip and Nathaniel. Philip comes over to Nathaniel. He's like, listen, man, I found the guy, I think he's the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like kind of a little, little judgmental at that point. He's like, man, can anything good come from that town? He's like, I don't know, man. You gotta come see him for yourself. We see it at the woman at the well. She has an encounter with Jesus. She doesn't know all the theological terms. She can't talk propitiation and sanctification on all the Asians. Here's what she says. She goes up, she said, they said, what, what's this thing? She said, I need you to come meet this guy. He's incredible. He's amazing. He's told me everything. He's told me my whole life. Here's the beautiful invitation, friends. Everybody can be an inviter. Here's all you need to know. Next Sunday, Western High School, 1030 a.m. Ready, say that with me. Next Sunday, Western High School, 10.30 a.m. You are all commissioned, all Jewish star y'all, all right? You are all commissioned to go, because I'm from Jewish background, so I won't cross. You know, anyways, you are all commissioned to go and be inviters. Everybody can be an inviter. Ann Patz, who's a missionary from Germany that we support, if you remember, she was here last year with us. She works with her team combating human trafficking in the red light district there in Germany. She sent me a story. I wanted to read it to you guys. She says, so two ladies from our team, Shalini and Caitlin, they were prayer walking and inviting women to the cafe Bible study in the red light district. They went up to this one woman. They invited her to come to the cafe. She turns around sharply and says, keep on walking. I don't need your charity. Caitlin, who's got some spunk to her, says, well, we aren't offering handouts. We're offering friendship. The woman said, well, I'm not coming because I'm not hungry. And if I was hungry, I would buy my own food. Shalini steps in and says, it sounds as though you aren't hungry for food, but rather for God. God. If that's true, we have what you're looking for. The woman's eyes grew large as she said, I tried to kill myself this week. And just before I did, God told me to stop. Let's go to the cafe, I wanna hear more about God. Yeah. They show up, yeah, that's awesome, it gets better, it gets better. They show up to the cafe, and for the next 30 minutes, they have this intense conversation back and forth. I'm sitting with some other ladies, but occasionally I hear them blurting out things like, no, 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 it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you anyways. 30 minutes later, they're praying with this woman to surrender her life to Jesus and set up a time with her to start reading the Bible and learning how to pray. Yeah. All, now you can clap. Yeah, that's good, that's good, It's good. All from one simple invitation. Let's connect it to us, not in Germany. Next weekend, we have a weekend called Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that we have bathed in prayer. God's presence is going to be here in Jesus' name. The gospel will be preached. Are the people who need to hear the hope of the gospel, the good news that there is a cure for their malady and their ailments, that there is hope for their relationship, that there's hope for their family, that there's hope for their soul, are the people who need to hear it gonna be here to hear it? Only if you invite them. Only if you invite them. We're giving you a place to invite to. That's the whole thrust of this weekend. But there's people I, John Lash, need to invite. And there's people you, Michael Perigini, need to invite. And there's people that you, Micah, need to invite. And there's people that you, Marcos, need to invite. I'm not going to say everybody's name, all right? So don't freak out. <laughs> But each one of us have uniquely in the sovereignty of God a network of relationships where you're gonna interact with people and you have relational equity and trust and rapport with people where the statistics are overwhelming. People say, if there's someone that I knew and trusted that invited me to church on a big weekend, I'd probably go and at least check it out with them just to show them, hey, I care about you and what you care about, I care about. Here's what all of heaven is waiting on. This is crazy and humbling. Your invitation, your invitation invitation. The vision here at Greenhouse is to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. We want to become disciples of Jesus. We're praying that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what's unique about God's kingdom when we think earth and heaven. There are things in heaven that we'll do for all of eternity. Worship, mission, and community, right? That's what it means to be disciples. Live in the green. Worship, mission, and community. Y'all know we're going to be worshiping for all of eternity? Like we're going to be up there. I love Zach and Kayla and Cece. It's going to be better than Mav City. Like I don't know who it's going to be, but the seraphim and the cherubim. Like We're going to be worshiping together for all of eternity. We're going to be in community for all of eternity. We're going to be together as the people of God, God's family. There's going to be no more church drama. Come on, somebody. It's going to be perfect unity. We're going to be so in love with Jesus. It's going to be incredible. But there's one thing that we cannot do in heaven. You know what it is? It's mission. Because when it comes to heaven, it's already too late. We can do worship for all eternity. We'll be in community for all eternity. But mission and evangelism is the only thing we can do right now. And only right now. Lord, give us your heart of compassion. Even now we pause for a moment. And the sobriety of the reality of the cosmos is not lost on us. Lord, help us. We love you. We love people. We really mean to. We want to do better, but we get so distracted. We get so nervous. We get so anxious. We get so timid. We get so self-conscious. God, give us your heart that your love for people would overwhelm our own self-consciousness and timidity and inability to feel like we've got what people need. We don't. You do. 1 Peter 3 says it like this. In 1 Peter 3 15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give an answer. You're like, what do I, I don't know all the answers. Here's the only answer you really need if you've got no other answer. There was a time in my life where I was broken, I was lost, I was insecure, I, I felt trapped. Then I met Jesus and he gave me joy and peace and he changed my heart. Now I I, I just can't help but walk in this joy. Do you have a story like that? Simple little, that's called the 15 second testimony. You can talk to Andrew Wilson. He'll probably give you a whole train, a treatise on it. Come to your microchurch and present. You don't need to have all the answers. You look all throughout the Bible. So many of the most prolific evangelists, they just shared from their heart what they experienced in their real life. You're like, what do I do with this message? The entire sermon is application. (laughs) The entire sermon. I want you to live it, and I want you to pray it, and I want you to share it, and I want you to invest, and I want you to invite. And if you struggle to do it, join the club. Welcome to humanity and the overwhelming majority of Christians who don't do this. Why? Sometimes we don't go because of a lack of compassion. Ask God for his heart. Listen, in in our modern context, the idol of comfort is very real. We are often guided by our desire to feel comfortable and fit in. You were not made to fit in, friend. We're a peculiar people. Y'all are a little weird. And so am I. It's by design. Just own it and be who you are. Because people need that. Some crisis of evangelism is not just a lack of care, it's a lack of experience. And what I mean by that is that the best evangelism and sharing of the good news comes out of the overflow of your real life and your real heart. Some of us struggle with sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus because we've actually never experienced the good news in any sort of meaningful personal way. That's okay. You just have to own that and say, ah, that's why I struggle... I don't know if I actually believe this. You're like, but I've been in church my whole life. Yeah. Still need a personal experience with the kindness and the grace and the gospel of Jesus. Some of us are never witnessing because we've never actually witnessed anything. Some of us are never witnessing because our experiences with Jesus were so long ago that our hearts have grown crusty and stale. I say this with sensitivity, but if if your last moments stories of evangelism and God moving in your life for 5, 10, 15, and 20 years ago, that's a problem. That would be like if you said, man, I love my wife so much. We had this amazing date like 10 years ago. It was so great. (laughs) Y'all would be like, oh, marriage counseling, right? Here's the great news though. How do I fix that? I don't know what to do. Go on a date. Man, my last experiences with I'm never sharing the gospel because yeah, it's been a while. Great. Then encounter God, his grace and his goodness. And while you're filled with his spirit and his love, go share. And watch your heart come alive again. You're like, when do I do it? As soon as it becomes good news to you, it can become good news through you. You're ready. By the way, this is, this is not a religious thing when I'm talking about this. I know like evangelism, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so religious. Humans are evangelists, like humans witness. Like we witness about our new pickleball paddles and we witness about the new car that we just got and we witness about the promotion that we just accessed and we witness about the baby. We just, oh my God, you gotta see the picture. No one asked you for your pictures, but you gotta show them the picture of your kids, right? Nobody asked, but you're like, oh, I'm so excited. Like we are witnesses by nature. You witness about whatever you're excited about and whatever you love. And nobody has to tell you to do it. Remember the fruit? That's going to go on the internet. I know it, Lisa. Gosh. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to be super articulate. You just have to be honest. I'm going to say this isn't even my note. Half of this isn't in my notes, actually. I wouldn't put this in my notes oftentimes we shrink back from sharing with people what God is actually doing in our lives and we think that we're being kind and we're actually being dishonest. If Jesus is not the driving force in your life, is he's not your passion, that's fine. You don't have to fake or manufacture that. Just be honest about that. And then you can decide, do I want him to be or not? I'm not sure. But if Jesus is like, Like if you wake up and you're like, man, I love God. And your life trajectory is, I love God so much. And then you never talk about it with people. You are giving them a fake version of you. I'm not asking you to do something crazy. I'm just asking you to be honest. Be honest. John Lash, just be honest. If you love Jesus so much, and I do, you could talk about that. Just like you do everything else that you love. And guess what? People will be very okay with that as well. That's what we do. 2 Corinthians 5, reminding us of our call, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. It continues, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say, Ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Jesus' behalf, on Christ's behalf, on Messiah's behalf, be reconciled to God. Like imagine if in our modern context and era we had less spectators and more ambassadors. Imagine what this world could be and become. Sharing the hope. Here's the hope. You can be made new. Like, do you know how many of your friends, relatives, family members, co-workers are like, oh my gosh, my life feels like such a mess. If I could just have a do-over, and they're all like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Who doesn't want a do-over? Hello, Jesus says there's a do-over button in life? Do you get that? It's crazy. Somebody's got to tell them. I've got to tell them. You've got to tell them. Romans 1.16 Says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the nations by the way, this is happening right here in our midst. I'm not just preaching something that's pie in the sky. I mean, this, this week alone, getting to talk to AJ, AJ's like led more people to the Lord than months he's been on staff at this point. I'm like, you, you know you're an evangelist when AJ was talking to a server and they had got into a whole interaction and got into a whole prayer thing and God ends up moving. I'm talking to Andrew Wilson and he's got a coworker and he just did a simple thing where he's talking with a coworker and he's like, hey, It sounds like life is really hard right now. Can I pray for you? And that opened up a door for incredible moments and God to move and the coworker to decide, I wanna follow Jesus and talking to Michael uh, who's on staff and Michael ends up interacting with a friend and just a simple, hey, we're going to lunch. Hey, I'm gonna pray for the food, opens up the door for spiritual conversation and God is moving. There are such simple things that if all we could do is give God a shot. And the beautiful part is that each one of these stories, everybody in the story is thriving. Here's the irony of evangelism. If and when we do not share our faith, the devil wins twice. People don't hear about the hope of the gospel and the cure. And we don't come alive because sharing the good news is what we were made for. It's why we're still on this earth. Like if if the only point is to develop a relationship with Jesus, you already had that, right? Like, we don't do bring people down to the altars and shotgun them to heaven. Like, that would be weird, really weird. You're here on this earth still because God has a purpose for your life. And it's the good news that has come to you becoming the good news that flows through you to bring hope and life to others. Very few things exhilarate and make us come alive as sharing the good news of the gospel. Final verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That passage wraps up. It says, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, turn to your neighbor and say, you're my co-worker. You're my co-worker. As God's co-workers, we got a CEO in heaven. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Well, how would I know if I did that? He continues. For it says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I had a really weird dream last night. And all morning, I'm like, this is not anywhere in my prep plans or notes, but I think it's the Lord. All morning, I'm like, God, what what is this? I had a dream. Nancy and I went back to undergrad, which has been some time now and but as I was there and I was there at the University of Florida not like FSU or something that would be like I was there in hell but I wasn't there in hell not the point not the point I was there at the University of Florida and which is where my wife and I both went to school but, but I didn't know anybody I had no friends I didn't know what my major was I didn't know what my classes were they had given me some like advisor but he was like horrible and like kept making fun of me and 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 I felt so low. I felt so alone. Like I'm feeling, I woke up three or four times from this dream. If you ever had one of these dreams and I'm like, God, I don't know what's happening. Please help me just go to sleep. I got to preach tomorrow, Lord. What are you, what's happening here? And you know, initially I'm like, this is spiritual warfare. It's a devil, you know. And, and then I had the dream and then I had the dream. I, all night long I'm having this dream and I finally wake up this morning and I'm like, Lord, what? Wait a second. Was that you? And I realized some of this feeling was I I just felt, I mean, I felt emotions I haven't felt in 20 years. I I felt absolutely isolated. I felt absolutely alone. I'm walking around the campus. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What, like, this is so stupid. I I felt purposeless and, and confused and empty and alone and lost and distraught. And it was horrible and I couldn't escape it. And I kept happening again, again, and again. And God's like, son, that's where you would be if you never met me. And I never rescued you. And then I start thinking about our world. And the reality is it's not brought about by university, it's brought about by life and sin. Our world is overwhelmingly stuck in the trajectory, like the disease of sin has impacted in humanity and you can tell it by the fruits anxiety skyrocketing as people feel more anxious than ever loneliness skyrocketing in a digitally connected age where people feel more alone than ever and i feel like last night i got a little taste of god's heart for the world that he loves and the people that we know that are not okay i know we all put on a good face friends we're not okay And apart from God, we will not be okay. And in fact, apart from Jesus and the gospel and the hope of the gospel and the cure that only the blood of Jesus can bring, we will not be okay for all of eternity. And if the people of God choose to hold on to that cure, what a tragedy. But if the people of God, out of deep love, boldness and compassion say God you came for me so I'm going to go for them we put on our Dr. Alexander Fleming tenacious hats and say no matter the dismissal the persecution the rejection I do not care but because this cure is so valuable people need it so I'll bring it in love and gentleness imagine what our world could be this week you have an opportunity to live this out where you start to pray it. You take inventory of have I been living this and maybe you make some candid, repentant conversations before you make any invitations. And then you step out in boldness and love and give God a shot. I'm praying next weekend we see tears all across this auditorium of people that were on your number one least savable list that are wooed by the love of Jesus.